0: No registration is required with RCAT, so try it today and get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com.
1: Part of our mindset is we love the design. We're going to figure out a way to make it where we, we focus on the quality and durability and, you know, lasting power of the things where it's necessary. But things that we can be clever about and tricky about, we're going to use that so we still get the design and the overall aesthetic impact without, you know, uh, giving away too much to the, the customer, or the guest, they still kind of feel that presence and feel that play of light, which was the intent there.
0: This is Detailed, an original podcast by RCAT. I am your host, Cherise Lakeside, Senior Specification Writer at RDH Building Science and fondly known as the CSI Kraken. We will speak with professionals who share their insights into the most complex, interesting and odd building conditions and the ingenuity it took to make it work. Join me as I pull back the curtain on the building industry and uncover the lessons learned. You'll gain valuable knowledge to help you better navigate your next project. My guest today is Matthew Dennis, founder and CEO of Bolt Builds in Brooklyn, New York. When Matt founded the Brooklyn Design Plus Build firm Bolt in 2016, he was still finishing his Master of Architecture degree at Pratt Institute. At its inception, the fundamental idea of Bolt was to generate a dialogue between what is materially possible and creatively engaging. For the past eight years, with a curiosity to ground the intricacies of architectural design and fabrication into construction sites across the U.S., he has been shaping the contours of Bolt into a practice where empirical learning takes center stage. Unbound by given design vocabularies, he navigates the evolution of design and construction with the consideration of clients and stakeholders within hospitality, retail and high-end residential spaces. The project we will be talking about today is the very cool agency of record cocktail bar and restaurant in New York City. But before we get started, don't forget to take a look at the project photos and drawings as you listen along. You can click the link in our show notes or visit www.rcat.com/podcast. In the center of Midtown Manhattan, the agency of record cocktail bar and restaurant is inspired by the golden age of advertising and the enduring allure of old school New York glamor. Nestled within the historic Renwick Hotel, this haven of sophistication offers a captivating journey through the Mad Men era, expertly curated to capture the essence of mid-century New York with a contemporary pulse that resonates in the present.
1: The Renwick was designed in, I believe, and built in 1928. It was the same architect who designed St. Patrick's Cathedral. So talented gentleman designed it, and then it became one of the first kind of live work spaces for F. Scott Fitzgerald, John Steinbeck, Thomas Mann. Like amazing creatives, kind of came through this space, and you know that's really just seeped into the walls of the space. And, you know, the the cocktail lounge restaurant that we've created, the, the idea was just to kind of pull that out. You know, it's it's all there. It's in the walls. It's in the history of it. It's in the neighborhood. You're close to Grand Central. You know, how can, how can we really just tap into what's already there in that kind of historical context, give it a little bit of breath of fresh air and some life, and again, just build on that history and, you know, not try to mimic what was there, but- Pay homage to it, you know. Give it the credit that it deserves, and create a space that you know facilitates more of that conversation and creativity that was there all the way back in the twenties and thirties.
0: Matt and his team at Bolt uniquely embrace a design-build model that is not only evident but also integral to the project.
1: I have to give a little little shout out to my dad. He ran a. I continues to be involved with a, a design-build engineering firm. And I was able to work with him for a few years before I went back to to graduate school, and, and he had the design build method, a much much different scale. They do a lot of industrial plants and things like that. But it was when when I experienced it, I was like, wow, this just it makes so much sense. You can be faster, which you know, especially in hospitality in New York, it's it's so much about speed. Where you need to get open because you either have a certain period of free rent or you have a certain amount of TI, and your whole business model is based on opening on X date and then starting to generate generate revenue. So being able to be faster is incredibly valuable to a client. I think it's also I had an issue with turning over a set of drawings and just be saying uh, like up uh, I'm done. You know my my part of this is done now. Someone go build it. And it's it just for me that's that's my favorite part of it is is actually seeing. It's a lot of what we talked about, you know, seeing these things be built, seeing that little, oh, you know what, I forgot about that thickness of the wood isn't three quarter inch, it's actually an inch. And that pushes this out and out and out. And how much you learn from being there physically with the tradesmen who are, you know, putting this thing together, or laying the tile and the grout needs to be this perfect line so it aligns with that next detail. And understanding all of the things that go into that is invaluable. And, you know, Leaving that to someone else and actually not being, having a a part in that just seemed like, you know, if you have the opportunity, why wouldn't you? And it it allowed for more creativity. It really allowed for the freedom to, you know, help guide the client to be like, invest in this because, you know, we can build this in a particular way. Let's, let's be creative here where I don't think we'd have the, the same result in a lot of these projects if we weren't given the trust and if we didn't have the actual mindset and and shop to kind of test out materials, see how they worked and experiment. I, I think you lose that ab- ability to experiment and prototype when you're just designing. So it's, it's not easy. I will say that you get to certainly reap the rewards and everything goes well, but you're also then if anything goes wrong, it, it comes back to you. And, and I think there's you know, we, we talked about play a lot, but responsibility is also really important. You know, you're, someone's trusting you with their vision or their dream. And I think when you're able to kind of, uh, be a bit more of a, you know, a, a director and saying, okay, I, I have my team that's fabricating. I know my tradesmen, I know how they work. And you're, you're able to kind of move the pieces a little bit, you know, easier and faster, or, uh, you're also able to build relationships with the trades and say like, Oh, you know, hey, do you mind? I need that light fixture actually over just a half inch. And it's not this whole process of like, oh, that's a change order. Let me get approval. Let me talk to this person. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, you can move that light fixture the half inch. And where I can just be like, hey, like we need that moved over, shifted over. You know, we we can talk about you know the the financial repercussions or whatever that is, but we're able to be a lot more think on our feet a little bit more, solve problems, which I think is really important. But it's it's riskier i think in in doing design build but seeing the manifestation of an idea from like it just truly being in your head as just this nugget of a of a concept and then letting that germinate and you know designing it and then testing it and then seeing it built and getting to be a part of that whole process intimately is you know really why i i I love the work that we do here so i don't think I'd, i'd want to do it any other way
0: the moment you step into agency of record, you are transported into a world where classic charm meets modern sophistication. This ethos was realized by seamlessly integrating versatile spaces that transition between midday cocktails, lively evenings of dancing, and intimate private dining.
1: This is post-COVID. You know, restaurants in New York were obviously hit hard, and midtown especially so this was a space that they wanted to have kind of a a multitude of uses one being you know bring back that midday martini lunch in the midtown location where it is and it's just you know having that use of you know that comfortable slower long lunch that you know you can have a drink you can kind of sink into your seat and you can feel relaxed and at the same time you know designing a space that uh can then pivot as it gets a little bit darker, the kind of more nighttime crew starts to come out and have it a DJ aspect, a dance floor aspect, and a little bit more of a nightlife vibe as well. So, which I love it when a client comes to me and says, I want a space to do more than one thing. Because, you know, again, we're we're talking about being static. Architecture by nature is quite static. So when you have a space that through, you know, the changing of furniture, the manipulation of lighting, you can have it really convey different feelings over the course of one day is, you know, an exciting challenge, especially in the space, the space had, you know, fairly low ceilings, it does kind of naturally have a little bit of that built in intimacy and mood to it. And we were really trying to enhance that, and then break it into a a, kind of a, a, a multitude of parts that can then, you know, come together to form a whole when it's being used as a lunch or dinner restaurant, but then be broken down into, you know, the bar area, we have a gorgeous private dining room, the dance floor where the DJ booth is set up so that it they, they really were asking for a lot, but uh, we, we love a good challenge and we love to think about things that can have more than one use, whether it's you know the furniture, the space overall, or you know, lighting, seating, and, and how we can get clever about arranging things differently and having things fold and move um, so it can have multiple uses.
0: The space is thoughtfully designed, featuring intimate corners that create a party away from the party, lounge-like atmosphere, inviting guests to immerse themselves in the eclectic spirit that defines the space.
1: We've run into a lot of spaces that when we start a project, they're wide open. And our job is really to kind of break them into parts so it, it will never feel empty. You know, if you're, even if you're in a space with one or two people, you, you feel a bit of intimacy. You feel kind of a part of the space. You don't feel kind of alone in a large room. And even, especially once you start to layer multiple uses on, you need a, a fairly big space to do that, but you need to be able to subdivide it in a way that if it's just being used for breakfast, for instance, the kind of lower area of the floor plan serves perfectly. It's not attached to the bar. The food comes out of the kitchen and you have a smaller dining room that's just for hotel guests for breakfast. And then it can open up a little bit bigger for lunch. And then the evening crowd, you open up the bar. And then you also have, say, the, the PDR, that's a private dining area. That's a kind of a, a beautiful double-curved space that we create to kind of like hold you. You can have a meeting there. You can have a you know private lunch there, a private dinner there. So, yeah, it, it was, I, I think, necessary now with restaurants to have more than one use and not be so one-dimensional and be able to pivot. I think is really important because you, again, you can design a space uh, with the best of intentions, incredible research. You don't know how someone's going to use it until they actually start to use it, and being able to have a space that can slightly adjust and be tweaked once it's open, and you can favor, you know, the bar crowd or uh, maybe surprisingly, people love eating breakfast there because it's so close to Grand Central. These are things that evolve over time. And if the space can, you know, flex a bit based off of that kind of live use, I think that's incredibly important.
0: With a fully equipped DJ booth and state of the art sound system catering to the nightlife crowd, the program demanded a thoughtful design to accommodate the flow of people entering and exiting the hotel.
1: Having the prompt of the dance floor being an important part of it was, was an interesting challenge. You know, we had to think square footage. You know, we, we always start out diagrammatically. How are we programming this space? You know, how many people do we want on the dance floor, right? You know, almost starting there and then how many seats do we want? So starting to play around with a few different scenarios of how, how do we make this work within the existing envelope of the space and what we ended up doing, the space has two levels. We actually expanded the upper level because we realized we need a bigger dance floor. That's a big part of this. And it will actually serve a few different things. It will, it helps kind of add a bit of drama and uh, a little bit more performance for the entrance to the PDR. So we create a nice aisleway that leads to these custom doors that we actually made in-house. It makes the dance floor a bit bigger and it gives a little bit of space to the DJ booth that's tucked in the corner, and it has a little bit more of a softer entry from the hotel um, side as well. So there's two entrances to the space, one directly off the street and one through the hotel lobby. We really wanted to cater to who we thought was coming from where breakfast crowd we thought was coming from the hotel. You know, that leads directly into that lower dining room. And we kind of used form to encourage you to naturally walk towards the lower space from the street. We figured that's going to be more of the nighttime crowd coming from all over New York, they come through past the bar and then opens up into the dance floor. So then we also have to think about the maneuverability of all the furniture. So the functionality of the space is you have a staff that needs to clear all this furniture quickly between you know your dinner and then your, your late night crowd that has the DJ, how can you do that effectively without it becoming a whole production? So you know, having perimeter banquettes, having loose furniture that can easily slide against a wall and become a different type of seating, all of that was designed specifically to allow the staff ease to just open this space up without ever anybody really um, understanding what's going on. Space changes, has a new function, and the layout really served to encourage the ease of getting from you know, morning to evening without having to do too much manual labor or dragging furniture or stacking it. It was designed very specifically to accommodate all of those uses, which worked pretty
0: effectively. From lights and tables to bar stools and millwork, Every element in the agency of record was meticulously custom designed and crafted at Bolt's Greenpoint Brooklyn workshop.
1: Selfishly, I have always wanted to be able to make what I think of or what I design and always had the desire to have, you know, the firm be design build, but design build with the fabrication angle being incredibly important. So being able to make what we, what we design. It's really was so simple we want to be able to have control over the final output and you know we we are lucky to have a space in greenpoint brooklyn where we have two buildings that are joined together one is our office and one is our shop so i have to give a, a shout out to heather kushner who runs our shop she does a fantastic job and brought a lot of these details to life we we have a extreme luxury where as we're designing we can go next door and and say hey you know i'm thinking about this detail can this work or how does this work or can I do this? And that sort of communication and those conversations that happen enrich the design to, you know, a whole nother level. The, the tufted wall is such a great example because we prototyped that a few times before we made it. We tried to make it out of foam first, a high density foam that we then put a fiberglass coating on and then we painted. Didn't have quite the right finish. So we're, we're able, again, I'm going back to this theme of play. We're able to play and experiment and just, you know, tap into the the, the the mindset and the know-how of Heather and her team and say, we, we have these great ideas, but and this is how I think we should build it. Let me know what you think. So there's that dialogue back and forth that allows us to, you know, come up with the best possible solution that can be built. You know, I, how often are we designing things that either completely have to change once they enter construction because no one thought about, you know, the light fixture is a great example. Like how this nests in, and this needs to be perfect. And then all of a sudden, you you walk into your space, you're like, "There's something weird about that wall. That doesn't align. And I feel like it should have." It's like we we're able to fix to notice that and then solve for that before it becomes a problem. And you know, having having a full wood shop next door and and having that luxury to be able to and trust of a client to say, "Hey, you want to build a space? You want to design a space?" our talent is in being incredibly clever and also budget conscious of, you know, designing a beautiful space without a doubt, but then making sure it's possible to be built within your budget because restaurants in New York are insanely competitive and really hard to not just open, then, you know, maintain a steady flow of customers. And why the shop is so valuable is we get to pick our moments. You know, we get to say the bar is such a you know focal point of this project let's make sure we invest in that and you know come up with details that you know work from a f- so many different levels you know being uh, the durability we talked about making sure that we're satisfying that you know creativity that needs to be in, embedded into the space making sure it's functional and making sure it can happen for the amount of money that you have it for so the the upper area on the bar is uh, I, i'll let everybody in on a little secret there's like a little eyebrow detail that's of, uh, it looks like textured glass that has these individualized glass squares that kind of run across the entire bar, mimic the, the shape of the bar top. So it really gives the bar a, a form in a way, if you want to fill in, your eye wants to fill in the gap between the eyebrow and the bar top. That's actually made out of acrylic with a textured film, because we realized that this was a space that a, a guest is never going to physically touch and engage with. And the, the quality of how the light passes through it and what it does, you know, for your view through it and, and what it does for the space is so important. We can't lose that detail because, you know, budget constraints, you can't necessarily afford that many individual cut pieces of textured glass. We'll find out another way to do it. So that's really part of our mindset is we love the design. We're going to figure out a way to make it where we we focus on the quality and durability and you know lasting power of the things where it's necessary. But things that we can be clever about and tricky about, we're going to use that so we still get the design and the overall aesthetic impact without, you know, uh, giving away too much to the the customer or the guest. They still kind of feel that presence and feel that play of light, which was the intent there.
0: Custom furniture and details presented remarkable feature elements while supporting multiple project goals in unique ways.
1: The furniture has to have uh, the durability to kind of withstand both a a lunch crowd and then a a late night crowd. So having a particular piece of furniture that can be easily moved, but withstand the test of time. So this doesn't, doesn't need to be replaced too often. Again, we talked about play at the beginning of the space. It has darker, deep tones, it has rich tones of wood, but we definitely wanted to insert a bit of playfulness, a breath of fresh air into the space, a little bit of whimsy. And we were able to capture that through a lot of the custom details that we were able to work into the space. We're lucky enough to have a fabrication shop attached to our office. So we were able to fabricate a good majority of the custom elements that went into the whole project. One of my favorite details is we... uh The entrance to this space is a bit narrower. So when you walk in, you're walking along the bar. So it's a 16-seater bar. You have an area that can be double-loaded so people can sit um, in the barstool seats and people can stand and have a drink rail right behind them. And then there's enough room for traffic to kind of pass through. On the side with the drink rail, because we knew people would be standing quite close to it, engage with it, we designed a wall that at first glance you would imagine is a, a leather tufted wall. Again, Of this rich mahogany color classic look that's actually cnc milled and treated in a particular way so it looks like leather but you kind of get that bit of play that bit of whimsy that like unexpected detail when you go up to it and and touch it in a way and realize oh wow that's that's actually a hard surface that they've made look soft and then we were able to work in light fixtures that are of a diamond shape that kind of uh, take up four modules of this kind of tufted wall that insert perfectly so that is a luxury of design build is we can order these lights in, measure exactly the dimensions of them, mill this pattern out specifically to that light, and then have it fit perfectly on this wall. So you have this seamless system of something that, you know, looks like you, you just want to touch it and it, it fit, everything fits so perfectly, which is really difficult to do when you, you know, a lot of times you, you read on a, a detail sheet or a spec sheet it's four inches. When you get it, it's really four and an eighth or three and seven eighths. And we're constantly dealing with that. So we always prefer to get it physically here. And again, the luxury of having a CNC machine right next door to us, we're able to size things perfectly, prototype, you know, work through ways of um, achieving the design in the way we thought of it. So that's just one one little detail. The bar is kind of pretty much overflowing with custom details. The bar front it has a, a bit of a, a, an art deco mid, mid-century feel with the backgammon patterning of two-tone wood. It has inlaid brass. It's a, a really gorgeous detail that, you know, gives uh, proportion and rhythm to such a long bar. So we were able to, you know, again, go through the process of prototyping those panels. So, you know, cutting something out in the, in the triangular form with the brass piece and going through probably six rounds of stain to make sure it's the right tone, it's the right contrast, and we were also battling with, you know, this is going off in a bit of a different tangent, but we, we tried to keep some of the things that were there, you know, part of, at least in New York City, for sure, you you go into a restaurant and a lot of times you're ripping the whole thing out and throwing it away. It breaks my heart to see that kind of waste going into any space where you're just, you're throwing almost a whole restaurant in the trash. So we really try to, you know, find what we can use and be surgical in our demolition. So we're we're really being intelligent about we're not wasting things that could be reused. You know, this was quality work done by somebody that, you know, if there's a way that we can incorporate it in and sticks, you know, to this brand and, and mesh as well with it, that's really, the goal is uh, to be just, we really like to treat the client's money like it's our own and, and be responsible with that and be thoughtful, you know, and, and, and it's sustainable wherever we can be. So we're, we're constantly working with things. You know, the bar is a great example because the bar was there and, and thinking about where plumbing is and things like that, the logistics of expanding a bar is, is quite difficult. So we did extend the bar five feet, kept it in its original footprint and were able to kind of minimize the amount of utility work that was necessary in order to have kind of a, a larger bar presence, which was important for the client. In in that bar, you know, I, I had mentioned the custom bar backgammon uh, pattern bar front we did custom bar stools that were fixed. And the reason we made them fixed is for my description earlier, where you have uh, a bar rail just behind the seats. And then you also want to have through traffic. So if you have a seat that can move, someone can be walking by and then someone can have a drink behind them and somebody pushes out their seat. And all of a sudden, you know, someone spills a drink and you know, you've, you've created a situation that could have been avoided. So by having a fixed stool, It allows the kind of flow of traffic to work really well. It allows the the guests at the bar not to have any issues with, you know, getting in and out of their seat. The space also always looks beautiful. So the spacing is correct. We can then align the post of the stool with the pattern on the bar front, which we always like when things align in, in a very intentional way.
0: Each corner of the bar and lounge area tells a story through layered patterns, rich cut velvets, fluted glass, decorative fringe, and custom lighting. So, I mean, the
1: bar top, we worked with Ace of Shades who designed some custom lampshades for us to, you know, A, have a unique touch. And, you know, we like to, lighting is beyond important, especially in an intimate moody uh, place like this. So having lights specifically placed on the bar that, you know, you can sit and have a meal there and feel a little bit more ownership over your space when you have two people sitting where you feel like you're sharing the whole surface. But as soon as a fixture is placed in between you, It gives you a little bit of that anchor and a little bit of that presence. Like this is my space and adorning that light with a, you know, a custom shade that, you know, has, has some tassels and some fringe and some of that lace quality to it. It just, you know, it has the warm light. It it has the feeling we were trying to convey through, you know, every detail of the space, but little details like that. It's, it's always nice to work with other creatives and collaborators, you know, like ace of shades who did a great job with those. You know, we did a custom back bar as well and custom bar ceiling.
0: Is that fringe on the bar stools? It
1: is. Yeah. So we, we, we found that, uh, I, and I have to mention Jamie Johnson, who was the lead designer on this project, did a fantastic job. She found that fringe. We were able to work with the upholstery team who did all of the banquettes and we, we added that little fringe detail, which is, it's such a small thing, but it does such so much for the the presence of that stool and, you know, the character of it. And again, we go back to that play idea. It just, It's more fun. It's more fun to look at. It's more fun to sit in. It just gives you this feeling like I can have a little bit more fun here. It has a little bit more of a a playful quality.
0: Tucked beyond the bar and lounge are intricately arranged dining nooks that offer cozy seclusion from the dance floor. Additionally, a private dining room or PDR, ideal for business lunches or private parties, provides an enhanced sense of warmth and solitude.
1: As you move past the bar and move into the main you know, dining area dance floor, so that's that's two levels. So the seating is designed in two different ways on each of these levels. On the, the lower level, with the expansion of the dance floor, we actually were able to do what I mentioned earlier, some surgical demo, re- pivot one of the existing banquettes and actually Tuck it into a corner. So the idea was to create these pockets of intimacy. So you can feel like you're, you know, depending upon your mood or your crowd, you're either a part of this bigger space or you have this little, you know, private niche in the in the back back room that, you know, you you feel like you can have a a more private conversation or date or group group gathering. So we used the shape of the banquettes as well as Curtains that kind of uh, drape on either side and adorn each seating area. So, they, I mean, in all actuality, could be closed where that almost becomes its own room. But even when they're draped to the side, you have, you know, a level of privacy, both from, you know, you have light fixtures that are specific to the tables in those pockets. You have acoustics that are then incredibly intimate because of the use of the curtains around it and the soft seating. So, you feel like you're really in your own special pocket. In all of these spaces in the dining room. So it's it became like a really nice way to provide a variety of different experiences and, and ways of, of sitting and enjoying the space, all in one little dining room. So just how the seats are arranged and broken up, you can, you know, sit on the bench banquette and have kind of an intimate conversation across a table at a two-seater, or you can be in one of these curvaceous banquettes in the corner that again, a, a bigger group would have a nice private party in. I'm in love with the PDR, which is the back, very backmost space. You actually walk through the bar across the dance floor, and you take two steps down into the PDR, which I think is a, a really important aspect of the entry where you do feel like you're entering a different space. So you take two steps down, and then you're walking into a space that's doubly curved. So it's, it's curved around you, and then it's curved over your head in this dome-like shape. So it, it gives you, again, another kind of this, this warmth, this intimacy, this kind of just you're nestled into a particular seat. And, and the versatility of this space is really interesting because we designed it to do a few different things. One, you know, be a great space to rent out, have a business lunch, have a meeting. Again, our shop fabricated these uh, custom arch doors. So it's three door panels that can open all the way up and have that PDR space actually be an extension of the dining room or it can be closed and can be an intimate private, you know, private lunch, private dining event, party, whatever it may be in the evening, late evening hours, it becomes, you know, almost a like a VIP room. So you're just behind the DJ. You have this private, more exclusive space. It can be closed. And with the use again, that's where we, we, that's real glass on those doors the textured film. So again, we use the film there as a, as a, a visual trick, but it, those doors were built in house. Again, having the luxury of, you know, being able to order the glass, test out this vinyl treatment on it to make sure that it, it didn't come across as, you know, it, when you think about sticking something on a, gr- on a piece of glass, like it, it might seem a bit gimmicky or might not have the right, you know, uh, level of finish that we're looking for in the space. But because of the, the, the weight, the visual weight of those doors, the thickness of the wood trim that wraps them, the shape of them, it worked out perfectly where it gives you that bit of distortion when they're closed. But you can make out that there's some silhouettes moving. So you're intrigued by what's happening in there, but you're not quite sure. So the next time you're like, I want to, you know, I want to sit in that space or rent that room and you're you're drawn to it a bit. And it it has that kind of natural rhythm where it pulls you in and because of the curves. You're just kind of you're almost funneled in the space in a way and, and, and just kind of nestled there. So that space can be the tables were custom designed and built here as well designed in a way that they can be pushed together to form one long group table, or all in in the shape kind of to the two end pieces, have these more dramatic curves that mimics the shape of the banquette. But then they can also be pulled apart and be individual two or four seater tables.
0: Managing all of these distinct spaces while adhering to the initial concept and vision of the project required clever solutions to meet unique challenges.
1: One of the biggest challenges is, is, Always is a narrow entry that we had. You know that having you know people walk through and enter a space and that procession to to start out a bit narrow is a challenge. But you can embrace that and have kind of that uh, compression and release, which you know is is a beautiful thing. So we were able to kind of highlight that that compression, but still balancing it. You know, you you have the fixed stool, you have a, you know a narrower bar rail that we we tested. You know, all sorts of glassware and understood the diameter of, of your typical glass to make sure that it could still sit properly on that rail, but still provide room to go through without feeling too compressed. You know, you mentioned the pockets on the back bar. They specifically in certain areas have mirrors. So it feels a bit bigger than it than it is. But as you walk through that space, our, it kind of leads us to our next challenge was making the dance floor bigger. And you know, we we always have a budget on a project and, and that being such a you know a force in and why this project came to be was to make sure that it was this late night dance floor centric space was we had to make that bigger so we had to you know figure out a way to actually grow the upper level of the floor and you know expanding that con- it was a concrete floor so expanding that concrete platform out over into the dining room but it really helped adjust the proportions of the space it actually made the lower dining room that much more intimate and cozy and i think it enhanced the proportions of that space while doing the same for the upper. So it's also very, it was very difficult working in an an operating hotel. So everything that we're talking about, you know, one requirement for this project was we had to stay open for breakfast throughout the duration of construction. So they had to maintain a breakfast menu throughout the whole process of, of us building the space. So what we first thought of is like, okay, we need to actually build a vestibule so it was almost like a separate design project where we we built a small kiosk that when you open the doors uh, from the hotel lobby, you see just kind of this backdrop of a small cafe. So we essentially built that space so then we could do construction in the rest of the space without having guests come in and out. We also weren't able to work during certain hours because, again, we're directly adjacent to hotel guests. So that was a challenge. You know, we Another big challenge was the bathrooms. The existing space only had two. So we needed to... We need to add a fixture, minimum one, into an existing bathroom footprint. So we had to get very clever on how we subdivided these while still maintaining the ADA accessibility paths and spatial clearances for the restrooms. And, you know, we were able to figure that out, but then, you know, you you figure it out from a design standpoint, then we realized there's a gym downstairs. So the hotel gym is directly underneath us. So when we're trying to, you know, drill through it to run new waistline and water lines, becomes quite challenging when you have a functional gym that again, the hotel has to maintain that amenity for its guests, you know, working at, you know, odd hours in order to get that done and working within the existing footprint of that space of that bathroom space. So we didn't have to, you know, we could avoid moving a wall, spending more than we need to on the restrooms. Certainly were challenging, but we, we were able to kind of, you know, create a a unique uh, bathroom experience, honestly, just by adding an additional fixture, or stall putting full uh height walls and doors to give that level of intimacy making it a communal bathroom so putting the sink actually outside for all three stalls so really maximizing that space and and you know squeezing every inch out of it and again adjusting to the constraints of the actual building with you know a, an 18 inch slab that we had to drill through was quite challenging and again especially with with keeping maintaining that gym being open so we had to do that at, odd hours, but then you have to be careful because you have guests sleeping during those hours. So it was. there's a lot of things that are happening in order just to get that one extra bathroom fixture.
0: During construction, Matt and his team had to jump over several hurdles to build out the restaurant and bar while keeping the operations at this historic hotel running smoothly and efficiently.
1: I will say everything in New York is is packed in. So it's you don't have much room to move around and every inch is used. One of the things we dealt with from just a logistics standpoint was getting materials into the space and the service entrance, it's an old hotel. It was built a very long time ago and the entrance, you know, through the back, through the delivery corridor is incredibly narrow and it's an active hotel. So there's, you know, people store their luggage in there. They sometimes had some linens in there. It was a well-used hallway. But at the same time, all of our material had to go in and out of the same hallway, which made it, you know, the timing and just the logistics of maneuvering large sheet material or, you know, framing material or drywall, anything like that, in and out of this corridor was incredibly difficult. And it led into the kitchen, which then led into our space. And again, because of the use of the space as an operating Breakfast venue. We had to go through these these kind of back corridors in order to get the material in and allow our team to work. So that was that was an incredible challenge. That you know, I give a lot of credit to the staff of the Renwick as well. You know, working with their team and you know how we can what are the best times to bring materials in. How do we you know make sure that we don't brush up against anything that's in the hallway that's important? Bump into somebody's suitcase. It's just working with their team and and really the people that own and operate the space and we'll, even the restaurant after we left it, you know, who are going to be, you know, left to maintain this. That was really important to us. It was the building that relationship, understanding, you know, what they've been through, what works, what doesn't, how to bring materials in. You know, we're always looking to those, those folks who know the building better than anyone else. You know, what are the tricks here? How how can we make this work? and, And what are the pitfalls we can avoid and not have to learn for ourselves, hopefully? So logistics there we learned a lot and, and we learned the right people to talk to in order to get things done. And I think I, I mentioned it before, just the, the timing that we could work, working, I think soundproofing was also another one that was, was a little bit more difficult. We did some, some actual sound tests, Of you know, turning on a, a sound system that we just mocked up in the space and then, you know, waited till the guests were gone in the rooms directly above to do a decibel test to make sure that, once this is a, you know, more of a nightclub vibe that we're going to be responsible. So again, it goes back to just everyone being on top of each other in New York. You know, you have to think about, you know, even in a low bar space with a hotel room above, you know, with several inches of concrete, still making sure that we're soundproofing it properly. You know, we're, we're not disrupting the guests. And we're, again, this, this can, you know, turn the music up as loud as you want, you're gonna be fine. So it's, it's kind of about proximity and, and squeezing a lot into a small space. But, you know, having to work around and, and work around guests, you know, we, again, we, we respect our guests, the guests, the clients, and we'll always want to do right by them. So, you know, making sure that we cause as little pain as possible, again, to the staff that probably would have to deal with why are they making so much noise in the gym or, you know, try just being really cognizant of the fact that there are, you know, guests paying money to stay here, although we are doing construction and need to get these things done, you know, just. Making sure everybody works together well and, and communication, just saying we're going to be you know drilling this hole at this time. It's going to be quite loud. If you get a noise complaint, let them know it's not going to last very long. Just so they're equipped with the right information that they need to, again, put the guest's mind at ease that, yes, it's loud, but at least it will be over soon.
0: Agency of Record is an immersive experience that celebrates style, sophistication, and the timeless allure of New York City. I was curious what advice Matt would give to aspiring designers taking on a project like this to help them start off on the right foot.
1: Going into any projects in New York, especially design-build projects, is, I would gear gear your decision-making towards action. I'm a big fan of, you know, there's, there's a lot that can be talked and theorized about. And I think I would say erring on the side of action is is always really important, especially for, you know, younger designers coming up is, is don't lose your kind of academic mind in school. You, you do a lot of theoretical design. You do a lot of diagrammatic design and that, in the first part of a design project is so important. Uh, Honestly, that is what made us expand the dance floor because just, you know, going through that process of program diagrams, expansion, and being like, why can't we move the floor? Like, why can't we make this level bigger? So it's, it's really kind of challenging what you think is set. It's just like, Oh, there's two levels. That's how big they're both going to be. We'll have to work around. It's like, not necessarily. We can kind of think outside of that and, and allow kind of some free thinking to drive those decisions. And then, it it opens up and all of a sudden the proportions are just perfect because you allowed yourself to not be too constrained by even a constraint that's there. So I think having that freedom and that ability to not be afraid to fail, I think is really important. You're going to. Construction is never going to go exactly as you planned. Design is never going to be executed exactly as you planned. We have a wood shop next door to us things still don't always go exactly as you plan them. And you have to be okay with that and just be like, this is an opportunity for me to think about this again, to maybe do it a little bit better and to, you know, just change my mindset a bit. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's, you want to, you know, have your, you know, have the force and, and will behind your design, but you don't want to let that cloud the ability to kind of be nimble and pivot and allow other things to enter and actually make the design even better than you thought it could be. So definitely don't be afraid to make mistakes. I think that they're they're going to happen. I think it's taking those calculated risks to Jamie who is, you know, our lead designer on this project. We had there's columns in the space that you can see in the photos and uh, an important detail for us was to actually was to soften these columns and and give them a radius. So they all have curved edges. And you know, again, we have a budget on every project and it was, you know, we came to the point of like we have to figure out how to we have trim that you know outlines these in the striped pattern. How do we bend trim like that? Are we going to individually, you know, steam bend every piece of hardwood? Are we going to how how are we going to get this size trim to have that effect? And we were both like, we need to figure it out and find a way. And and Jamie, you know, did great research, didn't give up on that detail, and found a you know a beautiful piece of flex trim that even when she asked about it, they're like, it's not going to take that radius. And she's like, you know what? We're going to order it anyways. We're going to test it because that's a big part of our ethos here is just test it out, see how it works. We'll, we'll at least learn something from it. So we got it in, tried it The a little light sanding, took paint perfectly and became such a, a, a great part of the design and, and the detailing that we've since used that product on other projects. That's actually the trim that's in the PDR where you see it kind of carrying that line up. So that was a detail we added after the fact when we realized this trim could work in the way it could. So it opened up the doors for new ideas and thoughts and and again, enhanced the overall design in, in areas where it wasn't even planned to be used.
0: With its thoughtful design, curated menu, and unique features, Agency of Record invites you to savor the moment. As you sip on meticulously crafted cocktails surrounded by the carefully designed ambiance, you can't help but feel the spirit of a bygone era colliding with the vibrant energy of the present. Before we close out this episode, I always try to gain some additional insight from our guests about the greater industry. Since Matt's firm is a design-build firm, I was curious what he thought the future of design-build in our industry might look like.
1: I actually think, especially the model that we have here, is is quite rare because of a. It's hard to work in New York City. It's f- incredibly competitive. It's hard to have a wood shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. I mean, just true expense. It's it's not a, an inexpensive place to you know have the amount of square footage that we have, and it's 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 difficult uh, for sure. I think we mentioned the risk involved. I think we mentioned the responsibility involved. You are responsible for every aspect of the project. There's nothing that you can say and point a finger and say, oh, that was supposed to be their job or their job. Anything that slips through the cracks is is still on you. So you're you're taking on a great deal of responsibility, which not to say that people don't want to do that. I think it's just a, a more challenging environment, but it's invaluable the, the kind of communication and the rubbing shoulders that you end up having with, with trades, with people that are actually doing the work and what you learn from that. But I can't see it so much more happening in New York. And I will say it's also design build is a tricky term where a lot of people use it. And I think there's a lot of them are, you know, not talking ill of any, anyone, but you know, a lot of design build firms are general con- uh, construction firms that hire a designer and call themselves design build. And we started doing just design and, and prototyping and fabrication and, and slowly grew into what we are now. But I think it's, it's just a different way of thinking that, you know, I think it, it boils down to education as well, where I think I was incredibly lucky to have the design build experience that I did before going back to grad school, especially at a, a, I went to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn for my master's and it's an incredibly theoretical school, but importantly, so like you learn to think beyond the the confines of the, the physical world gravity gets to go away for a little while when it's convenient and you know you you get to have that more experimental thought process and learn about that but I you know had three years of experience being on a job site before that so it's it was a, a rare kind of combination of you know having the practicality with the experimental which I wish you know more education and institutes had because I it's it's so incredibly valuable. And then once you, you have a little bit of that itch, you just want more of it and you want to be a part of the, the build and the construction and the fabrication and and communication too, just where, you know, the, the traits, they, they see you in the weeds with them, you know, that you're there, you're trying to figure it out too. And, and you're not just saying, I drew it, do it exactly how I drew it when actually it doesn't work how, how it was drawn. And that's actually influenced how we create, you know, some of our CD sets is like we, we know how these things are actually built and we know how they're being looked at. And so how we incorporate, you know, this goes back to our question about tech and, and you know, keeping that in, in mind. It's like we have 3D diagrams, you know, right next to the 2D section and exploded axonometric diagrams to show like the assembly of parts. So it's it's really more about communicating with the people that, you know, what they're looking at, how they're looking at it, and what information that they actually need to build this how you, you hope it's built. Because we've also, we've been through it because we've built a few of these things ourselves. So it, it really aids in that communication, which I really think builds the strength and trust with the people that are actually doing the construction. And that's really when you get the best final result.
0: I truly enjoyed this conversation with Matt and would love to have the opportunity to visit the agency of record. I hope this episode sparks a new idea, helps you solve a problem that you've been working through, or inspires the mark that you want to leave on the world.
1: We've talked a lot about play and work, you know, personally or professionally. I'd like to, to merge them a bit. And, you know, I think that there's, there's also division between work and play, which sim- similarly, I'd like to, to merge that a bit. So, it, you know, you, you still have that, that looseness, that whimsy, that fun in, in what you're doing every day where it doesn't become too laborious or uh, mundane. So, you know, keeping, keeping that idea of play and that, that energy. And I think, it was, I think it was Albert Einstein that said, you know, be the energy you want to see in the world. So if like that that energy can be you know seep into the spaces that we design and that we build and that we've you know left it a little bit better than when we got there and people can pick up on that on you know a subconscious level as well as a conscious level, I would be a, a happy human.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more. Visit RCAT.com forward slash podcast to see photos, details, and more related project and product information that we discussed today. While you're there, take a look around RCAT.com. For over 30 years, RCAT has been the resource for AEC professionals to find the right products for their project. Try RCAT and see how their tools can save you time and money and help you get ahead on your next project. Visit RCAT.com That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. If you enjoyed the show, you can support us by subscribing, leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing this with your friends. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back to share more stories and lessons learned to help you navigate your next project.